You're listening to SaaS Acquisition Stories, a podcast featuring the stories from both startup founders and buyers who have successfully gone through an acquisition process using MicroAcquire, the number one startup acquisition marketplace in the world. To date, MicroAcquire has helped hundreds of startups get acquired and has facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. Here's your host, Andrew Gazdecki. All right, I'm here with Bill Barlow from Barlow and Williams. Bill, how are you doing today? Good. How you doing, Andrew? Doing great. So Bill is kind of a microquire legend. He's helped uh, a number of, I've lost count at this point. I'm sure you would know better than me, uh, get microquired. And so I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Um, so Bill, just to, to kind of kick things off for listeners that may not know you, do you want to just give a short two minute intro of yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so not, my name's Bill. Um, my background is uh, I'm a lawyer. I worked on Wall Street after I graduated law school, did that for a number of years. And then during the pandemic, I left and I started my own firm. And uh, good, it was around good, that time. Good, good for you, by the way. <laughs> so right I have on. an entrepreneurial bent as well. Yeah, we're all about that. <laughs> and uh, and that that was how I uh, originally ended up finding uh, uh, Andrew and Microacquire. I did a I did a SaaS deal for one of his friends. Um, and uh, was, I re- I remember that we we were talking about that was one of my um, favorite. Sorry to keep interrupting you, um, but that was one of my favorite um, acquisitions. Are you referring to the pushing gauge deal? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that was a good seven-figure deal. Um, sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's great. It's great. Um, so, and that was that was really a lot of my introduction to SaaS because um, you know my deals in the past, you know, private equity, Wall Street, we're talking hundred million dollar deals, billion dollar deals, and you know the SaaS space is really a lot of it's dominated by the startup, micro acquire, all of these other things, and so it was just it was an incredible different energy involved and and i just loved it i just fell in love with it so nice so on the legal side of things um arguably one of the most important and sometimes uh you know confusing parts for entrepreneurs as they're going through an acquisition um what what are like some you know key ways that you help entrepreneurs like as they're going through an acquisition i no, this is, I know the answer to this question, but I, <laughs> I, I, I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, no, I, I think for a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, the legal cost, especially because, you know, it's a big expense item, especially on a smaller deal, it can be, it can feel like a real barrier to entry, right? Uh, and I think MicroCar is actually doing a great job with some of its legal forms, especially for smaller deals where maybe like it doesn't make sense for a lawyer to get fully involved. Um, but you know, especially on larger deals, what you're really looking for is number one, you help with the general terms. So you often like, because I see so many deals, I think we have like eight SaaS acquisitions going on right now. We we have a good sense of what the market is in terms of how much do you pay up front? How much do you defer over time? What are the transition services like? So when you're thinking about how do I how do I make an offer that a seller is going to feel comfortable with, but still protect me? You know, a lawyer is going to be there to help you structure that offer to, to kind of, you know, balance those two objectives. Um, and then there's a legal diligence side of it. Um, and I could talk a little bit more about, you know, what that entails and, and what comes up. And then probably the most important part is drafting the actual documents, the purchase agreement. And once again, you know, with a good attorney, the, the desire there is to, on the one hand, 
You want to make sure you're protected as the buyer or the seller, whatever the case may be. But you also don't want to make it a super one-sided agreement that makes you just go back and forth a million times. You really just want to be practical and get the deal done. And, and that's, you know, that's really the job of a lawyer is in some ways it's, it's just making the process move smoothly so that business people can can really do their job, which is more important, frankly. Nice. So I know you've done a number of acquisitions and I've heard nothing but ama- amazing things about you. And again, that's, I don't, I don't want this to be like infomercial for you, but uh, I, I truly have. Um, and, you know, we worked together on, on um, an acquisition and it, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, but uh, I, I know my favorite deals that I've done with you, which are, um, but I'd love to hear yours. Like, do you have a, like a favorite acquisition? It could be good outcome for the buyer or the seller that came to you and any, any interesting stories you could share? Yeah. Um, I think one of my, one of my favorite ones, I'll, I'll have to be a little discreet about this because it's, it's still ongoing right now. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't have to disclose like numbers or anything like that. <laughs> you, you can make it up. Yeah, exactly. It's a $15 billion <laughs> deal, which I found on microacquire. It's a, um, it's, a, it's a Twitter deal. Yeah, exactly. I represented Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> no, uh, uh, it's, it's one where the, uh, the buyer is a strategic uh, overseas, actually, in the United Kingdom. Uh, and it's a stock for stock deal. There's some cash up front and there's some stock involved as well. And the company has gone through one major round of funding with some very well-backed VCs. And the seller, who's a micro-acquire seller, is, um, uh, you know, potentially going to, um, you know, play a large part in that that company going forward. And so for me, I think it's it's really fun because most of the time with these deals, you know, you get your cash, maybe you provide some transition services, and you're sort of, you know, then you're on the other side. This one, not only are you doing the acquisition, but you're thinking about the long-term relationship. And I don't know, it, it kind of feels fun to be, you know, not just a one-off, but a sort of building things in, in perpetuity. So you're in, you're in the mix. Yeah, exactly. You're, exactly. you're move, moving and shaking stuff. Um, I also want to touch on, um, if you're comfortable with it, um, just your your acquisition pricing as well. Because I've gone down this rabbit hole where um, you hire an attorney, and the all-in legal costs, like my legal bill for uh, business apps, um, uh, which was like, a, let's just call it, um, I won't say that number, but the legal bill, <laughs> I believe, was like 150000 And I remember the attorney telling me, hey, every time you email me, I have to charge you um, for 15 minutes of my time. And their hourly rate was 1000 an hour. Um, can you walk me through just like, um, let's say a deal that's, um, you know, two to $5 million. What does that kind of look like in terms of cost? Because um, I know you have a fixed structure that's not hourly, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Well, we honestly, it's like a bad experience for both sides, right? Like you're not going to email this guy if it's $250. No, I did. I was, I was that nervous. I was like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) like walk me through, like, I remember going through disclosures and I was like, just talk to me like I'm five. Like, just just get it done. Um, yeah, so, so our, our thing is, as you mentioned, it's flat fee. So it's one half 
a percent of the the uh, transaction size uh, with a minimum of ten thousand dollars. So if it's a two million dollar deal, that's ten thousand dollars. If it's a five million dollar deal, that's twenty five thousand dollars. Give you a um, we, and and how did you get to that? I think probably experiences like mine maybe led that. You know, yeah, it's 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 kind of two things because from from the lawyer side, it's actually also very frustrating because one of the most frustrating parts of my job when I do hourly work is having to keep track of any time anyone sends me. Because not only do I have to respond to the email, I have to go into my billing system. I have to mark how much I did. I have to say what I did it for. I I hated that. I, I had to do that all the time when I was working. For <laughs> I can't even. I can imagine. <laughs> I would. I would literally like it, just between me and you, Bill, and I guess all the listeners. Um, once I found that out, um, I would just email them randomly. I'd just be like, "Hey, what's up?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I was just like, "Hey, what's up?" I just wanted to give you a tip with this email. <laughs> So so on the other side, I don't know if they were happy or mad, but that's that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> you know, when when you're at a law firm, you literally have like in the upper right hand corner, I, I had these different timers up. You'd create different timers for different clients and you'd have like twenty-five up on a single day. And you'd just be clicking between them as you move between different matters. And then you'd have to like put in all the entries for all the things you did. It's 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 honestly a nightmare. So, you know, and, and the other problem I, I should say is with the hourly model, like we've made some software to make our own selves more efficient. We've built in forms, we've done all that. If all you're doing is billing hourly, every every efficiency gain you make as a lawyer. Is basically just lost revenue, um, and so you know we just we just thought you know I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be tracking my hours you know I don't want to be um, you know I I, I don't want to be be have the client not talking to me because of their hours and I want to actually be able to be paid for the efficiencies I make and that that's it was an iterative process of, of just seeing what the market was accepting and and kind of going from there so. I- I, I think it's a total win-win. Um, so uh, tell me about um, your transition into um, entrepreneurship. First of all, I want to say I'm you know, super proud of you because the, the deal we were talking about at the beginning, I believe um, you had not started your own firm. And so now you're, you've ventured out um, on your own. How, how's, how's that been for you? Well, been well, welcome to the world of entrepreneurship. <laughs> it, I, I find it makes it a lot it makes it really fun to talk to entrepreneurs because you understand the miracle that it is anytime you get a new client that's actually paying you money to do anything. I, I remember the first time I, I I got my first client, it just, I don't know, it just felt like, like, how is this happening that somebody is, you know, without me being a part of some big organization, somebody's just paying me for my value, for my time. Um, you, and- never, you, you never forget that first customer. I, I yes. remember mine and yeah, everyone, every, you never forget it. Who was yours? I, I would love to hear. For MicroAcquire, it was actually um, Ryan Holmes, the CEO of Hootsuite, or now chairman. And I'm kind of a startup nerd. So when that came in, I was like, whoa, like, that's so cool. Like, oh man. hey, Ryan, I hope I don't let you down with MicroAcquire. Um, he's now an investor in the business and a fantastic individual. But yeah, he was the first paying. And the the story goes is um with our current business model of um having buyers uh pay a you know subscription access deals you know i sent out an email he signed up within two minutes and i was just like whoa um, wow. which is really cool to see wow. 
And then I also remember my first uh, customer at Business Apps, which was um, actually an attorney. Um, we made really? a mobile app for them. Yeah, um, oddly enough. Um, it was a local attorney that um, I'm, I'm so close with today. I think it was kind of a sympathy sale. Like, hey, yeah, I love what you're doing. But, you know, I still remember it. No, but it, it, it's so awesome when you get, because it's kind of like what Teal says. It's like the zero to one. That's the hardest part. And when you actually get over that barrier, it just feels golden. Right. So let's say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I found an awesome deal on microfire. Um, you know, I'm, I'm circling with the seller. We've, you know, landed at, um, you know, a $4 million purchase price. Um, now I'm, I'm calling you up because that's, that's all we've gotten to is an agreed price. Can you walk me through just kind of how you would work with me in terms of helping me get the deal over the finish line? Yeah. Um, so, so the first thing we would probably do is we would help you with the LOI, uh, draft that up. We would talk you through terms, you know, $4 million, is that all up front? Do you have any deferred payments? Do you have any earnout payments? We would talk you through what transition services do you uh, expect that you'll need from the seller going forward? You know, that, that can be typically included. Uh, we could talk through, sometimes you get into the weeds of this, sometimes you don't you know, the period of the non-compete, et cetera. Basically, the idea is you want to kind of front anything that are big enough that they could potentially turn the deal south if, if you don't agree to them kind of up front. Um, and then once you do that, uh, then what usually will happen is kind of a period where the lawyers will step a little bit into the background. And this is why. Usually, after you get an LOI signed, you start doing financial diligence a little bit more heavily. And when deals fall apart, they typically happen because something has come up in financial diligence. You know, income wasn't what you expected. Expenses were greater than what you expected. And so you typically don't want to be incurring a lot of legal fees until you at least do a couple, you know, get through a bit of financial diligence. But once, once you're sufficiently through that process, that's typically where you kind of bring back the lawyers. They draft up the purchase agreement. And sometimes, by the way, with financial diligence, you know, the purchase price will change a little bit, you know, terms will change, earnouts will change, that's, you know, perfectly fine. But then you bring bring us in, we are usually very quick to draft, we can usually draft within a couple of days, get an agreement out to the sellers, and then, uh, and then we're just doing the back and forth until... Typically, in these sites of deals, you have a simultaneous uh, uh, sign and close. Nice. Uh, does that kind of answer answer some of your questions? Yeah, it was just way too simple. Um, and, <laughs> and I was expecting. I mean, no, I've I've been through it, but it was it was a little more uh, on 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 my end. Um, just from personal experience, uh, it it wasn't that straightforward. Um, my experience, my experience was basically on the seller side, I kind of made it this way just cause, um, I was, I was 29. So I, I didn't want to do anything, you know, I wanted to make sure the company was represented, but we spent, I think a week on disclosures, um, yep. like re looking at, them, you know, making sure everything was, um, good to go. And then, uh, so yeah, um, I wish I knew you at the time, I guess, <laughs> Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you a little bit of an experience from the buy side. So, you know, one of the things that causes a lot of angst amongst sellers, especially new sellers, is the disclosure schedule. So you're making all these representations about the company, but then 
you know, you put on schedules like here are my employment agreements, here are my contracts, here are my intellectual property. I had, we represented a buyer in a, in a deal just, I want to say a month or two ago where the seller was a founder um, and there came to a section where he said, you know, please disclose your intellectual property. And we're thinking, you know, the trademarks and the web domain names, you know, the main things. He goes through and he puts literally every single image he used at any time in his website. And it becomes like a 40-page disclosure schedule. Oh, man. <laughs> like, he wow. spent days putting that together. And uh, as, as buyer counsel, the truth is that, like, we only care about the intellectual property that really is, you know, really kind of necessary and compelling for the business, right? Like we want to know your patents. We want to know your trademarks. That we want to know that the code is like actually like properly assigned to the company. We don't need to know all of these things. And so it's very common for sellers to feel like this is their whole life to just kind of over overly enthusiastic about populating schedules when in reality, you know, you can kind of take the temperature in terms of what the buyer is really looking for. Nice. I guess, um, what is um, your preferred um, acquisition size? Like what's what's the largest that um, you would do and what's uh, the smallest you would do So or, 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 ha or have done? Right. I'm sure, I'm sure you'd do the Twitter deal. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so the largest one we're on right, right now is about $60 million. Um, Not bad. Yeah, yeah. The, the smallest one uh we we have done you know especially if you were asking us you know a year ago we've done you know a hundred thousand two hundred and fifty thousand now that we have like a ten thousand dollar minimum like it's it's just not making sense for a lot of those deals and in, in in that range because you're eating up ten percent in legal fees um but we've certainly done you know one two million dollar deals and we do a lot of work I'd say in the two to twenty million dollar space. Um, it, but the thing I should say too is that we have attorneys that we work with that do do some of the lower transactions as well. So you know if we're not the right fit for someone, then we we love to have a second recommendation in line with somebody who like has a similar model and you know understands that. So nice. What would you say? Um, I'm just having fun just chatting with you man what's uh, what would you say like uh your the favorite part of like your whole job is Ooh, i i think that's a great question um i think i think in another life maybe in this one i'll be a professor so i think one of my favorite parts is when you have new new people who come to this confused and inquisitive and you're just explaining to them like what this is right like you you, you you're like they, they get this document that's 40 pages and they're they're scared and they're confused and you just walk them through line by line and say, well, this is what this does. This is that what that does. And all of a sudden their nerves start calming down and they start saying, oh, no, okay, I get it. Like, this is why. And I think that's, for me, that's one of the biggest value adds is you, you can see people going from the realm of afraid and uncertain to feeling confident and, and knowledgeable. And I, I just love seeing that that phase shift. Nice. Yeah, no, that's, I, I can definitely relate to that in terms of, you know, if as an entrepreneur, if you go through one acquisition, that's amazing. If you go through two, that's incredible, but it's usually just once. And so it's always kind of this first time learning experience and it, and it can be daunting. So it's always good to have someone you know, experience like yourself in, um, you know, either corner. Um, I guess, um, you know, my, my, my final question would be, um, in, in terms of, um, you know, the acquisitions that, um, you've helped, um, close thus far, um, shoot, I totally lost my train of thought there. I had a really good question. 
<laughs> um, well, I have some questions for you. Think of your question first. because there's No, you fire and give me a break. I had a good one. I totally, <laughs> totally missed it. Well, you know, I would love to hear sort of a little bit from your side of the table, like from, from a legal perspective or just generally, like what, when you were coming to the table for one of these things? Oh, like, that was, were... that, my question was, um, uh, around how, like what was maybe the most nervous buyer, the most story around that. Um, but uh, continue with your question. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to answer it. Yeah, no, I, I, I would love, I would love to, because one of the things that we're thinking of putting out of like, an article of like, what are the things that founders are worried about that they shouldn't be? And sometimes what are the things that they should be worried about, but they're not. Um, but I would love, I would love to get a sense, you know, when you were coming to this acquisition, you know, what were your sources of anxiety? What were the things, I don't know, like, what were the things that were on your mind? What were, were you afraid of anything? What was, what was kind of going through your head? Yeah, well, I sold to a $10 billion private equity firm. And at the time, I was 29, you know, so it just kind of felt like a David versus Goliath situation. And the firm I sold to is very professional. Um, no hard nose negotiations. It was it was a fantastic outcome. But still, you only know what you are. You only you, you just don't know the legal aspects. And so it comes as a complete yeah. surprise. So I'd say um, for me, it was, you know, just ensuring that everything was done correctly because it was going to be a life-changing um, acquisition for myself. And so I was just, again, that's where, you know, I would email small questions just to make sure we're crossing every T, we're dotting every I. Um, so I, I would say just the the fear of the unknown and the fear of missing something is, is probably um, thinking, and this was like five years ago now, um, but that's, that's what's coming first to mind. Yeah, well, I think because the nightmare scenario is a situation where you sell and everything's good and then they come back a year later or six months later. Exactly, yes. That's what I was <laughs> trying to avoid. And that's why the disclosures took so long because I think we over kind of just like, here's everything that's possibly, it kind of felt like telling like your wife, like everything bad you've done in your life. Like yep. here's all the stuff, all everything you're asking. Um, but uh, it, <laughs> no, in I, the end, I, I it, all, it all worked out. It's being a lawyer, you're part part lawyer, but you're part of priest and you're part of therapist. You know, somebody says like, oh, what about this thing that came up? And you say like, I bless you from a legal perspective. Like, like you're all good. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember the the attorney who went through the, the disclosures with me. I remember it like it was yesterday. He's like, you really you, you don't we don't need to spend this much time because um, we had already gone through due diligence and we were just kind of rounding third base on the disclosures. He's like, we can do this in like an hour. Like I have basically all the information needed for the disclosures. I could probably do this myself. Or do you want to walk through this with me? And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, let's spend like three hours on this. Let's so. <laughs> Uh, maybe there's a, a potential blog post for you there. Um, I guess, uh, you know, final question would be, um, you know, as you're, you know, helping entrepreneurs and, you know, uh, going through acquisitions and you continue to help buyers and sellers, if people want to get um, in touch with you to just learn how you can help on the buy side or the sell side, what's, uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, so there's a lot of ways. Um, I'll say my, my email is Barlow. B-A-R-L-O-W-I-I at BarlowWilliams.law. And, and if you just search Barlow Williams, you'll be able to find our website and there's a contact us and, you know, that goes directly to our email as well. So 
you know, if you can't remember my exact email, just search Barlow Williams, uh, you know, M&A lawyer, and, and we'll come up as a search result. And, um, uh, uh, and, and you'll be able to just find our information from there. So nice. I'll put all that in the show notes. But uh, Bill, this was um, awesome to just chat with you and just learn more about your side of the world. And uh, thanks for helping so many founders and um, buyers on Microvar. We truly appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. This was, this was great. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers, Bill. Thanks for listening to this episode of the SaaS Acquisition Stories podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to like and follow on your preferred channel. And if you know a friend or colleague that would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them. For more information on MicroAcquire and how we can help you start conversations that lead to an acquisition in just 30 days, check us out at microacquire.com. We'll see you next time.